Hi, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Hello and welcome everyone to the Lovely Travels podcast. It's your favourite introductory guy, Darius, welcoming Danielle and Emma um, as this poncho-clad duo um, talk about Peru and all the exciting Peruvian stuff that they did when they visited. Um, I made a list of things that they talked about, um, so Brace yourselves for Beanie FOMO and 18-course degustation menus, uh, Pisco Sours, of course, um, eating guinea pigs, um, mismatched gumboots, capybaras, enchiladas, Machu Picchu, mystery meats, altitude sickness, and, of course, everyone's favourite, snacks. So, if any of those things sound appealing, um, I think you're in the right place and you're going to have a great time. Thank you, Danielle, for being on the show and uh, take it away, ladies. Welcome back to the Lovely Travels podcast, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. You're officially our uh, most recurring guest, so congratulations. <laughs> I think in the industry we call that repeat visitation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you were you jumped on very early with us in episode seven, which was uh, just talking about being a travel blogger and your life as uh, with your adventures of Poss and Ruby. And then you also joined us to talk about packing tips on episode 39. Yeah, it was great to chat about those things and, you know, our passion for travel that we both share, of course, Emma, and my passion for packing, which you and I have a little bit of a different view of that, but we work together on it. We do. I, I think it was Tess had a really good packing tip um, on the Poland episode and I was like, ah, you should have been on that episode. Danielle's going to love it. So you have to jump, uh, tune in back on that one. But today is, uh, though we've talked a lot about a lot of countries, today is your first country episode with us. And we will be talking about beautiful Peru in South America. Yeah, I'm so excited about this one. It's such a beautiful place. And you are wearing a poncho? <laughs> I am. I am wearing a poncho, an alpaca poncho purchased mm-hmm. in Cusco. Oh, and you had a beanie on before as well, which I think is I like yes, if you go to Peru and you don't buy one of the beanies, you're like have you even been to Peru? Yeah, exactly. It's got the little ear pockets that go over your little ears and the little pom-pom at the top. They're super cute. It's kind of a necessity. Like even if you take a beanie, you end up getting quite cold and so everybody just ends up having this kind of costume because you do need to wear the warmer things and just the colors they're so beautiful aren't they you can't walk past it no and the handiwork is just amazing and you get a bit of FOMO because you see everyone walking around looking so fabulous and you've got you know your Kathmandu beanie or the beanie that your grandma knitted but there's all these beautiful pieces going around so you have to get one Yes. And so we're both going to, um, I'll share some a selfie of each of us, but I'm, I was going to wear my poncho, but that's from Mexico. I wore it in Peru, but I'm actually wearing my Black Dog Institute hoodie, uh, which was the reason I went to Peru. I went to trek Machu Picchu and raise funds for Black Dog Institute, who um, contributing to a mentally healthier world, uh, raising awareness about depression and anxiety and education and training. So we raised more than $60,000 and did a trek. There were 13 of us. And so, yeah, I have many, many photos of me in this bright orange hoodie. And that was given to me in 2012. Uh, when I went and I'm still it's now 2021 and I still wear it and I still love it and I I will wear it to death (laughs) so we've both got our Peruvian costuming on but tell me when did you go 
good question, actually. I am pretty sure it was almost the same as you. It was um, 2013, I think it was, I was in Peru. So. And why did you go to Peru? Um, I went to Peru um, because I've always wanted to go to South America, um, but it was um, my partner at the time, his family lived in Uruguay. So uh, we were on our way to surprise his mum for her 70th birthday and I didn't want to go to South America without doing some travel as well. So we stopped in and Peru for 12 days and we joined up with an intrepid tour for awesome. the 12 days, which was amazing. Yeah, it's a good way because it's quite, um, you know, well, very foreign language. I mean, you, your partner would have spoken Spanish yeah. and hablas espanol. Un poquito. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it does, it helps a lot. So to be able to get around and so having those guides and, and, you know, there is, you know, it's such a, um, I don't know, rugged sort of country. Like there's, you know, these mountainous areas, you really, to be able to go and see that real beauty of the nature and, and you know, just that magnitude of it, you, you kind of do need some help. There is the, the very typical route, which would probably be similar to what I did, like Lima, Cusco, and then getting the train. We we went and trekked, but there is also the train that can go from Cusco to Machu Picchu. So they're sort of, I think, the the main touch points that people are going. And then the other place that people would be heading to, which I don't know, did you go there, was the, um, it's like the Galapagos sort of area or the no we didn't do the Galapagos but we did the Amazon rainforest which was okay. amazing yeah so yeah that was that's the other element people go to see that the wildlife side of mm-hmm. so it's such a draw card Peru and Peru in terms of South America it's probably one of the most visited like um I mean I think the more well-known you've got Argentina Brazil Peru I don't reckon I'd say they would be the top up there. Like people do go to Chile and, and Bolivia, but I think they're sort of, uh, they tend to be a little more challenging to get through. Whereas Peru's, I think their, their um, tourism marketing and their setup is, is very good. Yeah. And I think with, you know, one of the biggest draw cards being Machu Picchu, it's a bit of a bucket list item that people are going there specifically for. So they then tend to do a little bit more travel around that. Yeah, so you just were in Peru and Uruguay in South America. And Argentina as well. Oh. A little little family trip into Argentina, which was gorgeous. I could have stayed there. I loved it. And flying there from Australia, did you fly to Argentina first and then? No, so um, flew to Santiago, Chile as mm. the stopover and then went up to Lima, arrived in Lima and then had a couple of nights. It was actually my birthday. Ah, a couple of nights in Lima before we joined the the tour, which was really cool. So, um, yeah, um, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, a little bit later on. But being my birthday, of course, I always like to do something a little bit special. So we went to one of the famous um, restaurants called Astre y Gaston and um, an 18-course degustation menu followed. Oh, my goodness. Matched wines. Oh, my gosh. How long were you there? A long time. Oh, jeez. I feel like, give me a break. We were there there for hours, but lots of little courses, like not, you know, big courses, lots of little courses. And the staff were amazing and they celebrated my birthday with me. And, of course, you know, the the token sparkler or candle comes out in the dessert for for your birthday and they took me into the kitchen and I've got these photos of me and the chefs and, then, of course, you know, on the way home, we thought it would be a great idea to stop into a bar after we've had a minimum of 18 wines because every course was matched with wine and got stuck into the Pisco Sour. Yes, which is the the sort of welcome drink of mm. Peru. And it's quite funny. I actually didn't have mine for a while because I have this rule when I do my treks, I, don't, I try not to drink before I go. And typically when I'm on the tour, I won't um, have a drink till the end. Cause it's just like going to do this massive physical. We did four days of trekking. And so I was like, I need to be game ready, but they're like, it's, it's like a custom. And I was like, I know I really wanted to, you know, like, I love doing that stuff. Uh, and then it was funny after the trek, I was like the first drink I had, I don't know why but it was like a Jim Beam and Coke. Like I just was like, <laughs> I just need, I was like, I need yeah, hard. Really yeah. And then I was like, I'm now I'm on the table. <laughs> like, altitude and some Jim Beam. But I did get the Pisco Sour in the end. 
and um, thoroughly. Actually, my friend, um, we pet sat for her in Sydney, and her husband is Peruvian. And so they, when they came back, they brought us um, some Pisco Sour mix as a, a gift. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, what do they say? One, two, three, four. Yes. <laughs> it's so strong. sweet and delicious. Yes, so, and they creep up on you. Mm-hmm. And I think really the, the altitude does add to it as well mm-hmm. <laughs> once you get to, to Cusco. So, yeah, so let's, yeah, we'll start in Lima. Tell me a little bit about what you got to do and, and see while you were there. Yeah, so in Lima, obviously, the, the dinner was was kind of the highlight on our sort of arrival. And then we did sort of a half-day tour. So we visited the ruins and, of course, the the town square, which in, yes. in most of those um, South American towns is kind of the key area. We did visit, and I'm pretty sure it was the like the state library or the, the original library, which was amazing. It had like all these beautiful staircases and wooden staircases and floor-to-ceiling bookshelves and it was quite a unique little spot that I don't know that many people get to see it wasn't sort of open I guess it felt like it was a little bit dusty and closed off but it was just quite spectacular and sort of explored the laneways and went to the local sort of marketplace and that was kind of about it in Lima sort of that traditional half day city tour yeah yeah, which is what we did as well. Flew in, mm-hmm. I think, afternoon time and, and we came in from via Auckland. So it was Auckland um, and then into Lima, I think, straight. I think most of those flights go to Santiago and then straight Maybe. up. Mm, yeah, it was, it was long. It's long. Remember, and on the way back I went via Buenos Aires and then um, uh, then. Auckland and then back so yeah it's they're not cheap getting from Australia to South America is not cheap and it's not direct and it's not fast so um you're in you you know strapping in and that's why you tend to try and do a few things while you're over there and make the most of it um but yeah we I do we went around you know El Centro like the the centros that that main place the square and generally there's like a history lesson there and a lot of a lot of key events happen there so if you've sort of seen that and then I just really remember as well like they had these um kind of avenues or like cobbled streets that led to the centro and down those yeah I just had I think being the first day there seeing those like little shops with all those little handicrafts and the leather they had like shot glasses in leather little pouches and just all the intricate designs and just you know trying to hold back because you go I want all of it I want to you know you're like you know they're like yeah yeah you're gonna see like the real stuff like this is yeah. you know obviously the the hub but you all the bright colors just straight away and having a nice yeah having a meal I think tempted some of us to have the the guinea pig which is not called guinea pig but um it's what we would call a guinea pig mm-hmm. uh tempted that first night but I don't think we did we sort of saved it for a future and then just yeah I think a little modest kind of hotel we stayed in and and quite exhausted after the day and and knew we had to get our trip so I didn't see much of Lima um I think from all accounts I think a lot of people do tend to just um unless you know I know my friend spends a lot more time there because her husband's family's there so it's it's you're more there for the city and then a base to get to other parts yeah, that's right. There is um, a coastal sort of walk area there. There's a big shopping centre, um, shopping centre, restaurants, cafes sort of built into the cliffside that looks out over the ocean, which is quite beautiful. And then it sort of walks up and there's sort of sculpture gardens and things like that. So that's a nice way to sort of ease yourself into it, especially after such a long flight from Australia. Yes, yeah, yeah. And if you haven't seen much of that, just marvelling at the, the architecture and it does really follow that, you get that Spanish sort of european vibe of, yeah, everything sort of coming around that central area and the big columns and that sort of thing. So you get that real old world feeling. Yeah. Um, it's an, it is a nice introduction. And so then you went as well. Did you fly then to Cusco from there? Uh, no, flew from there um, to Puerto Maldonado in on the river, um, on the Amazon River there. So we flew into there in this teeny tiny little plane. It was bucketing rain. Um, and as soon as we got off the plane, we went into a tin shed 
kind of airport, certainly nothing uh, luxurious there, and uh, loaded all of our bags onto the top of a van that then took us to the river and then we boarded a boat and took the boat like a little sort of I think in Thailand they call them bum boats, but just a, a, a little sort of long canoe type scenario with a motor on the back and went down the river to um, the eco lodge where we stayed for a couple of nights. Oh, the eco lodge sounds fantastic. So what was that? Was it quite basic or...? It was quite basic, but it was fantastic. We had our own little cabin and on the front of the cabin were hammocks. So you could spend the afternoon just chilling out, laying in the hammock. Um, Very basic little bathroom. Um, The bed was covered in a mosquito net because obviously there's lots of bugs and mosquitoes in the Amazon. Yeah. And had like a central sort of communal area where the meals were served and where people could hang out. And there was lots of like books about animals and things, research stuff that people could do and just a really nice open air space. And all around there were the most beautiful birds. There were the macaws and the there was a toucan and that was something that had been on my list that I really wanted to see a toucan in real life. So, so that was pretty cool. But um, it was real torrential rain while we were there, like bucketing down. So on the day that we arrived, we were given gumboots. (laughs) (laughs) I had two of the same feet. They just didn't have enough. Mm. So it was hilarious. But we went into the rainforest. So there was about 12 of us in the tour group. So we went through into the rainforest and the guide was really interesting talking about some of the traditional medicines and some of the different things that um, the local people, the Indigenous people used throughout their life in the Amazon and talked about different plants and the fungi and it was it was fascinating. It was like a David Attenborough tour. Yeah, <laughs> sounds phenomenal and maybe like the rain kind of added to the rainforest feel, although quite wet I'm sure extremely wet so so the next day we were supposed to do a hike but there was no way well I was willing to continue to do the hike in the rain because I'll sign up for anything yeah but the they had a vote within the group and of course majority of the group didn't want to hike in the rain so we ended up doing an alternate activity which was um we took a cruise on the boat and went spotting sort of wildlife along the sides of the river i was desperate to see an anaconda but that didn't come across our path <laughs> we saw amazing monkeys and birds and but the rain was just torrential like really there was not a lot of wildlife that was out we saw the capybara yeah. which is kind of like a Giant rat. (laughs) Yeah, giant rat kind of mix of it, a bit of everything. So we saw a few things, um, but certainly not everything that we would have seen. But we had the most amazing lunch on the boat. They had pre-prepared these amazing little parcels that were still hot by lunchtime. Like we'd been on the boat for probably two or three hours maybe and then they wheeled out this lunch that we had as the rain pelted down around us. And it was like a banana leaf. Stuff mm. with almost like a maybe like a enchilada type thing, and it was rice and beans, and it was so delicious. And I was just amazed that they could create this beautiful lunch on the boat in the pouring rain, and it was still warm. And they like they literally just wrapped them all like in foil. They hadn't done anything, you know. They didn't have any magical equipment, but no. uh, it, it was such a unique and beautiful experience. It was so good. Yeah. Um, and then they had cake for everyone afterwards. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is incredible, isn't it, when you're in these really remote areas and the way that they can prepare food and, um, you know, yeah, having that, figuring it out and, you know, yeah, like you say, it's that, that real local experience that's so lovely. Yeah. And, and so from there, where did you go next after the Amazon? Uh, from there we flew to Cusco. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty sure we did. Um, And we visited a few of the surrounding towns. Um, We went to a place called Tambo, which has a lot of ruins there. And then um, we caught the 
um, we went to Cusco and then we caught the train up to Machu uh, Picchu. Yeah. Yeah, which is a pretty special experience. And it's quite, um, I was just going to say before as well, when you were saying with the mosquitoes, like something to note about um, Peru, it's uh, in terms of vaccinations, it's a country where you have to carry your yellow fever card. And so it is somewhere that you really must be vaccinated for. Well, if coming back to Australia, if you haven't got it, there will be an issue. And we actually had people in Cusco because they hadn't got them in Australia they were told they had to we had to get nurses to come to the hotel and actually vaccinate like give them the vaccination there so that they could be able to go home <laughs> and it had to be done within a certain time yeah I don't recall that but I am vaccinated to the hilt <laughs> yes yeah so yeah yeah you have to have the have, to have your little like kind of vaccination passport and and you know for your own health too because these these things are still present um in South America is one place where yeah that really is that's a risk so um but then what I was going to say about the train as well is that and the interesting thing about Machu Picchu is there's very limited um there's like caps on how many people can be there they really protect it and so it is something you kind of it is worth going sometimes with a tour company because booking that um trying to get those tickets like it's quite complicated it might be a little bit better now I mean we did this you know eight nine years ago and I talked about it on the Bolivia episode too is like the internet might have made things easier but there's sort of a certain local knowledge that it's needed um, to understand the permits and the requirements and it was very strict to the packet I don't know if you remember as well that like how much luggage you could take on the train as well so they were really like very strict. These are the numbers. These are the tickets you have to have even to go and do the um, at Machu Picchu. There's Wine Picchu, which is the extra bit. So where which gate you entered through and and which parts you were at and how long you were there for. They were, they were really very strict about it. Yeah, and I believe those numbers have only gotten stricter because of environmental impact and you know over tourism and the numbers of visitors on the site so I think they've actually reduced a lot of those numbers so it is really important that you've booked ahead yeah, and turn up and be like I think I'll uh, go today <laughs> <laughs> I do know someone though who did just rock, like she must have booked her ticket but she did just decide to do the Inca Trail and did the Inca Trail in barefoot uh not in um thongs sorry flip-flops yeah. Mm-hmm. which would not recommend. I have not done uh, the Inca Trail. It's funny, uh, there's been a few places I've been where I've done a – been to the famous place or, or been through a similar famous experience but not done the typical one, and which is lovely and it's a great way, but then it's also you kind of want to do the typical thing too. So I actually did the Laris Valley trek. Uh, so we spent four days trekking in the Laris Valley. We didn't trek the whole way. There were times where the the, uh, the van would take us to the next campsite or connect us up. There were a few times where there was an optional extra, you know, and like you, I was like, yep, hands up. Um, I'll do the extra bit. Uh, so to, to keep going trekking to the camp or to be driven. And then we actually ended our trek in Oyatantambo and got the train that last bit, whereas um, – when you do the Inca Trail, you do actually walk into, um, the, I believe it's the Sun Gate at Machu Picchu. So, oh, yeah. And so the difference as well was we got the little bus up to Machu Picchu the day that we went to visit. And to me, it wasn't, I actually quite enjoyed the way we did it because we got in the night before. And so we've, we've done a big trek, so we're pretty wrecked. So to have that night and then to have a day and be fresh and just that have it a whole the whole day just focused on Machu Picchu um was yeah, really that, that bus ride up <laughs> is quite interesting um I would say if anyone gets motion sickness take your medication beforehand um touch wood I don't but those switchbacks and I am sure that those drivers have like a time trial that they try and beat <laughs> each time <laughs> because well, they hammer it up and down there and it's very it's very steep Yes, and the queue, like I remember the queue, even though you got it, again, you've got tickets, you've got permits, but it's just, you know, it's it's like a well-oiled machine and you wait in the queue and then you get on the bus and, yeah, you're really crammed in. I do remember that being like sort of up against my buddy and on the window and, yeah, leaning in and, and go, going around these, you know, you're in the Andes in these <laughs> wicked mountain passes, like going, where's this, this, where's this famous Machu Picchu thing and... 
No wonder they didn't find it. It's like it's, you know, it's really <laughs> very well there. hidden. Yeah, it was. It was really in there. And for me, this special thing, and I have a photo, I'll have to share it when we release this one. Um, I have a photo with me with Machu Picchu behind. It makes me teary thinking about it. I have tears in my eyes, like, because and I had it with, with a few of these wonders of the world and these, like, things that you've just seen photos of over and over and over again. And you do sort of feel like when you see it, will it really, like, live up to the expectation? And it is, like, cannot believe how much it's like the picture. And we did have a – we were very fortunate, had a lovely clear day. It is exactly like the picture. The pictures that you've seen on all the brochures, like that that angle, that front-on view, it is – I could not believe how much it was like it and I couldn't believe how much I felt when I stood in front of that view. Like, it was just – this yeah. is it. Like, this is real and this is a special place to be. Yeah, it's a goosebump moment kind of thing. Like, mm. when we arrived, we arrived extremely early and it was very foggy and I was devastated. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is just not how it's supposed to be and <laughs> this isn't what the pictures look like. And it was the most, it was almost like a movie. We arrived and our little group sort of walked in through the gates and you walk sort of down and, and around to see that sweeping view. And almost as we turned the corner, the fog lifted and the sun began to shine through and it was just breathtaking. It was almost like it had that, oh, yeah. moment, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's beautiful and it's so nice to explore and just wander around a little bit without a guided element. Like I think mm. it's really important to do a guided element because there's so much history and so many things to learn and understand but also to just wander around and sort of take in the enormity of it all is really nice to do on your own as well. And it is hard to take in all of it too. So you're getting a little bit and, and our guide kind of kept sharing in case people wanted to but I was the same. I heard a little bit and, and, and then, you know, I think they're getting into some of the finer, like this, like this parts here and this symbol means this and yeah, just wanted to be there. And I actually really enjoyed watching the alpaca, like the alpacas, like you're up on this crazy mountain rock formation type thing. And, um, there's just these alpacas just grazing, just like, what? Oh, you guys just discovered this? Like we've been here for ages. Like it's <laughs> <is> my house. <laughs> just, just, and just add to that perfect feeling of yes we are definitely in Peru uh in this place and did you do any um, any of the other part like did you do the the one in picture or no I would love to do that part of it and I had spoken to friends beforehand and they had talked about you know you need to book in and things like that but being part of the group it just wasn't really on on the table and you, you kind of I find some quite challenging sometimes in those group scenarios when you are a bit of a traveler and you know the things that you really want to do you feel like you're constantly trying to corrupt the itinerary and you yes. don't want to be that person so I kind of um yeah I, I put that on the list for next time yeah good one it's um for me it was like after doing four days of trekking we were going up to like 4,000 meters over 4,200 meters at the highest point you know up and down up and down this epic um this epic trek through the Andes, but um, then the Wana Picchu, because of the speed we had to do it, because mm. uh, Machu Picchu is actually not as, as high, anywhere near as high. It's not even as high as Cusco. I'm, I'm going to just, I'll have to fact check. check. I think it's around 2,700 <laughs> or something like that. Still pretty bloody high. It's in the mountain. Yeah. Um, but going up Wana Picchu, it's just like you ascend so quickly um, and so that's brutal. You're already at altitude and then, and you're on the top and it's like, it's the pointy bit when you're looking at Machu Picchu, it's the big pointy rock behind it. You're literally on top of it. So then to look down over it was incredible, but then it's like, okay, cool. Take your photos. Ha ha. Now get down. <laughs> and yeah, and so the path some, I believe is quite. Oh yeah. It's like a staircase. Like, yeah. It's just like a, a winding staircase up the side of this like epic thing and, it, and a rocky it's not a staircase it's you know mm. built in in the stone and and coming down there's like almost bits where it's like a ladder and so you're really like clamoring down and there's like ropes to hold on like you are there is actual ladders but you've kind of got to hold on and for some people that was harder and it, it's harder on the knees going down so for some people that was harder like really and doing it again at pace you're trying to but we had a very very funny moment at the top and 
extra special now because um, my friend, sadly, one of the people I trekked with in my group, he passed away uh, three months later. So he was um, he was 24 and he passed away of a heart attack. So it was pretty upsetting. And you know what it's like when you've been on one of those group trips, you bond really quickly. We spent 12 days together and I hadn't known him very long, but we were going to be friends for a lifetime. And we had this little group that we really connected with, but, um, his name was Rory and Rory and one of the other guys, Matt had the, this photo bombing thing that they had, um, sort of done, I'd like done together. They, I don't know, just, they just kept bombing each other's photos. So it, it became a little thing. And so actually on top of Wine of Pichu, it was incredible. Um, Rory actually got the winning shot. He managed to photobomb Matt with, and it was like um, one of those, like it, they must have it in Peru as well. The like Lucha lead Bray masks. They had all these masks for sale around at the shops. So he bought one of those, waited for this prime moment. Matt's having his photo, like, here I am on top of Wine Picchu at this famous place and Rory got in the back of the photo with this mask on and he turned around and was just like, ah, you got me. And these poor other people who were up on the top of this thing would just been going like, what? And then another thing we did on top of it, because, you know, as I said, we had a time limit, so we I don't know how we managed to get all these things in, but you're like, I'm on top of a mountain, I'm going to do crazy stuff. Uh, Nick, who was actually on our Bhutan episode, so he and I trekked in Peru and in Bhutan, he told the story on there, but he wanted to have a photo in a suit. So he got changed, like, like quick deck change into a suit. Again, these poor people must have been watching. And then I was sitting there, and so then these people watching kind of thought that he was getting ready to, like, propose or something. And so I was, I don't know, I don't even, I didn't remember this bit, but he told me and he's like, yeah, they thought that he was, you know, going to do this thing. And then he just got up and had his, like, kind of, I got out the way and he had a photo and they were like, oh. Which oh. is all very, like, very puzzled. Like, why are these people dressing up and doing these things? And it was like, okay, everyone, down, 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 down. It was, it was a real, yeah, it was um, a very adventurous day, but. Uh, yeah, the altitude got to everyone. Yeah. We, we, you know, look, we made it memorable, but um, just such a magical place. And to see it from those two views, I felt very, very fortunate. And going back down after, Machu Picchu Town is such a really lovely place to be with that river running. Mm, yeah. Through. And you've got the cobbled stone streets and you've got all your little tiny little hotels and little, little shops. And we also went to, um, there was a pools, like a um, they had the, the warm natural yes there's some springs there natural springs yeah so I remember going up through the town and it was a bit you know it adds to it it is misty it's kind of rainy it's got that real magical feeling and then to go up and sit in these warm springs um near the river just yeah and and after just having such a big day and I think really it's emotional um we went and after our lunch, just sat by this. We could have explored the town more, but we just sat on this balcony at this restaurant by the river and just being in being in the town. Yeah. It has that, I think it, it kind of has that vibe and that impact on people because the day before we went up to Machu Picchu, we did the same thing. You explore the little town and found ourselves at a local soccer match. And so bought the snacks because I'm always about the learning the new snacks and, and what people have. So at the soccer you have um, popcorn. Mm-hmm. So popcorn was part of the snacks. You could have uh, like a meat on a stick, like a <laughs> it was sort of meat. Like, <laughs> it looked kind of like salami of some description. And you could have... Um, they're almost like a pastry sort of horn that's uh, stuffed with dulce de leche, which is the mm. caramel sauce, um, caramel paste, and sat and watched this local soccer match. Everyone, it was like we just became part of the community, like we were talking to people sitting next to us and these little kids just became like our best friends, were sitting on our knees and talking and laughing and started cheering and barracking for one of the teams and it was just such a lovely moment in a town just to feel and do what local people do. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, that's lovely. And the popcorn, I think, was something like that was in the bars as well. They really yeah. love popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> you just go. I like, love popcorn, so I was quite happy with that. Yeah, like they have snacks in the bars. I do remember that as well. So yeah. so after Machu Picchu, did you, you got the train back to Cusco again? Train back to Cusco, yeah, and had, a I think, another couple of nights. We had some amazing adventures in, in Cusco. It was a particular festival. I'm not sure. It would have been around Easter, in the lead up mm-hmm. to Easter, so there was a lot of religious festivals on and there was some spectacular parades going through the town and some beautiful things like the churches were all decorated and so it was just it was just really interesting to explore the town and and walk around and see the the performances and yeah it, it's a beautiful place well and it, it is like Cusco is just like a postcard isn't it it is yeah so picture perfect in terms of like the when we were there, like blue sky, white clouds just dotted on. It didn't seem to move. And then just, you know, it's, it's a mountainous sort of area. And then the, 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 the buildings, I don't know, they had that, that old sort of stone architecture type thing. You had your centro, your main square area. And it was so, apart from the altitude, it was <laughs> walking around is very tiring. But it was very easy to sort of navigate around the the streets and yeah. But I remember yeah walking up the stairs even in the hotel and walking up the street to get back to a hotel like. And some of the people we were there to trek and they were like, "But I've done all this training and I'm so fit." And it's like that's altitude, like it's yeah. three thousand two hundred meters. That's what the city sits at, you know. It's and you fly straight into that. So a lot of people, um, you know, it's just to, to be aware that you might get hit by the altitude sickness and the only way to deal with it deal with it is to get to get lower and my Mm. friend actually got hit really bad with it and ended up having to go to Machu Picchu sooner and she went to Pisac as well because they're they're lower so yeah yeah I was really surprised with how quickly it can hit people because we saw that at the airport you know people were dropping like flies and I, I I have a bit of a cast iron constitution. Nothing seems, I don't seem to get sick. I don't seem to get seasickness. I don't seem to get altitude sickness. I, I, I seem to just kind of be able to go along. But we were seeing people like in wheelchairs at literally who had been on our flight and had, were at the luggage carousel being put into wheelchairs. And I was thinking, what is happening? Like this is just crazy. But the altitude sickness does hit people quite hard and yeah it it can be quite debilitating it really is like the color drains from them and like they just body goes weak the headache it's like it's just feels like your brain's you know sort of like being which basically is what happening your brain's swelling it's super nice (laughs) so you feel like your your head's being squished I got it on like the second day I'd already experienced it in um in Tanzania and on Mount um, Kilimanjaro so I kind of knew what to expect but it was, yeah, just interesting that it hit me. It did both times actually hit me like a few days in. And so it is that it's, it's acclimatizing. And that's why one out with our trip, we were in Cusco and then we spent a few days. Um, we went to Pisac and then visited the Sacred Valley. And so we were just doing some, uh, yeah, learning about the history, like amazing in Pisac. They had the like um, stepped farming type thing. So it's just like this yeah. valley and it's just like, like built in stairs or like levels into and it just it was so perfect as well these just lines basically on the mountains and then a river of going through this just valley that stretched for kilometers it it, it's just is so picturesque Mm. it's very rugged scenery but very beautiful very picturesque and there is a lot of a lot of farming that goes on throughout Peru and obviously that's some of their key industries so you know they have thousands of different kinds of corn and thousands of different types of potatoes and farming is probably one of their key industries but it's really interesting to see the different methods of farming. Yeah. And we went uh while well, we, we sort of had our like sightseeing days we went to this place I don't know if you went there too but you can it's like a stone slide it's really probably not very safe, but they've sort of – it's like there's just this stone – it's natural, in, but they kind of – over time people have slid down it. It's like kind of carved in this slide into 
the hilly mountainy and yeah I've got photos of me sliding down this stone yeah wall thing and it was it wasn't overly comfortable and I'm probably not overly safe especially before we were about to do a trek but you know you were like when in Rome when in Rome I'll do as everyone else is doing and um yeah the food was it was really good on on our tour we had probably more like some some of the stuff was a bit more westernized but uh, on our trek I mean but like you said before incredible that they would we had horses carrying up or oh, don- well, donkeys sorry carrying up um, our gear and carrying up all the cooking stuff and um, then this crew of six people and they were just so beautiful and they would make the food for us and we often have popcorn as a snack in the afternoon and hot teas and coffees and while we would it was it's was more glamping uh we would have our tents and and do our trekking and they would come in the morning and say would you like a tea or a coffee and bring you a little bowl of warm water to wash your hands and at one place I think it was our first night of camping woke up in the morning and these women were there Quechuan women so Quechuan is the local um, indigenous population around that region and they've set up like a little market and that's where I got my beanie I just could not buy so I got a I remember it was I don't have it anymore but it was sort of a beigey tan color with white um pattern and it had alpacas around it because you have to and then matching I had the gloves they do the gloves the fingerless gloves (laughs) then you fold it over and then you have mittens with a little button on it it's like oh genius but yeah these women just had set up this little market with all these beautiful handicrafts and it was like shopping in our um pajamas just in the morning before we went off to track and it just oh that just having that culture come to us and obviously yeah that you know they they understand that they will make money from the tourists but you know those things were all made by those local women and uh that we didn't see any other foreigners while we were on our trek so that's the beauty of the laris valley as opposed to the um doing the inca trail which is quite a popular and common trek now in the world and we just saw we would see very very few local people we would just see like a this one Quechuan woman walking through the mountains and walk past and did her. Did she have her skirts and her fedora hat? Yeah, those little hats. And yeah, and like out in the middle of the mountains and just wearing this epic outfit. And like, yeah, I'll have to share with you. I've got some photos of that. This woman, you know, almost herding the sheep in this amazing skirt and apron and hat and jumpers. She looks so stylish, but yeah. so warm. But yes, middle of nowhere. Lots of layers, um, mm. lots of layers. So this, um, you know, mountain scene and eagles flying and then this just woman walking, you know, alpacas a lot, like, you know, coming along and then going over the crest of a mountain and this lake, I just remember this lake was there. Like, you're like, how is there a lake? I don't, you yeah. know, of course it's but you just didn't expect it. I love that that element of trekking. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what's coming. You turn a corner or go over a hill and then and the sun was just touching this um, lake and it was just like a mirror. Uh, so it was felt so close to nature and so, um, yeah, blessed to be there. And we had wonderful local Peruvian guides, so getting to speak to them and hear about their lives. It was, for me, a lovely way to get to experience that country and, to have a bit of time in Cusco, to do the Machu, uh, Machu Picchu. The train the train is fantastic. And we finishing in Oyotentambo, the, the sun temple there, that's the big temple there. You know, just getting that sort of Incan history and, and getting that vibe. You're just like, oh, there's just so much life yes. that happened. And it's, you know, really a whole world, like a whole different world to what is here now. And it was almost hidden and it's lovely to learn about it but also so important to um, protect it. Yeah, we found that a lot of the traditional uh, activities and, and farming ways and methods and stories and religious activities and everything are still really well preserved and they were demonstrating that through the visitor experiences that we were having um, a woman made chocolate from mm. scratch which was interesting, um, but fascinating to learn the process 
Um, you go and, to the Chocolate Museum in Cusco? I think that's quite a, like a famous yes, draw yes. card. This was as part of our trip. We were in this little village in the middle of nowhere. Like there was no, it wasn't really even a village. It was just a couple of houses scattered around. But we went into this woman's home. She cooked us this amazing lunch um, with those giant corn kernels. Mm. <laughs> yes. And um and then, the meals. <laughs> yeah, and then she demonstrated, you know, the making of the chocolate. And it's almost like um using the the meat mincer that we all probably know of as a kid, you know, when your mum used to make shepherd's pie, <laughs> putting meat through the mincer. Now putting the, the cacao through the mincer and and grounding it down and making this, you know, sort of sugar-free chocolate. And yeah. I'm it, sure it was a bit bitter. It was a little bit bitter. It was a bit grainy. <laughs> Certainly wasn't uh, Cadbury's, but look, yeah, it was really it was it was lovely to see that those traditions are being kept alive. And um, and the chicha. Did you have the chicha, the um, traditionally brewed local beer? Probably. Yeah, you would not have standing out. <laughs> But um, it was uh, very rustic, again, in that same sort of village we went just to this random, like all the chickens were running around. Yeah. And a big jug was just scooped out of a 44-gallon drum and everyone kind of got to have a taste. And uh, I'd describe it as watery, kind of a bit hoppy, dishwashing liquidy. <laughs> Mm, you're really yeah. selling it. Amazingly tasty, but worth trying. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're there for. And well, on food, um, you know, I talked a little bit about it on the Bolivian episode too, but I think there's, there is sort of, you know, there are the more authentic restaurants and there are, then they've got this real nice um, kind of cosmopolitan, um, I don't know, fusion-y type thing going on as well, where they're sort of, um, taking the local and the traditional elements but sort of, um, I guess, modernising it or, um, I don't know, fine dining, like turning it into a bit more fine dining. So there's that element. But then I did find that some of the places we went, once you'd seen the menu, you had seen the menu at all of the restaurants. Like there was sort of this meat and veg and yeah, alpaca, <laughs> chips and veg, uh, other op meat, chips and veg, yeah. lobo, which is like the beef dish with the rice and the um, capsicum and beef and then potato, oh, the fries and then an egg on top. Um, very hearty. But, yeah, just you sort of go, ah, oh, oh, these are the options. They're like, oh, I'll try this today. I'll try this today. And then, you know, when you're having lunch, dinner, lunch, dinner out, you go, oh, I think I've tried a lot of this. I guess yeah. it's like a today. the guinea pig definitely you have to try it It, it's depending on where you eat it it comes presented very differently but in the restaurant where we tried it it came presented as the entire roasted guinea pig on a stand which is quite confronting yeah I chose not to yes partake in that one I had mine was in one of those more gourmet um, you know, yes, finesse. I said I don't know about adding a finesse to it, and they, um, yes, mine came little sort of bub, um, butterflied, yeah, yeah, butterflied, um, and crusted with stuff, and so it had so much stuff on it that I, you know, it was like it, it was, you know, generic meat taste, but not not something that I would go, oh, I, I must have that all the time. Mm, <laughs> yes, I, I did really enjoy. Yeah, I did too. I thought that was quite a nice, a nice meat. Um, lots of corn, the elote, that's yes. really good, and a good street snack as well. Mm. Lots of enchiladas on the street. I remember people looking at me sideways, going, "Do you eat off the street?" And I'm like, ah, "Yes, I do," because most of the time, this is where the good stuff is. You just need to do it smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's nice going in and. Um, yeah, finding your own way and having, you know, like I know we had a few days where we got to go and find lunch ourselves and just, yeah, trying to decipher the menu. And I always say with South America and, and Central America and even Mexico, like there's, like say the Latin countries, there's sometimes there's like a spin on on the Western things. So you're like, I have a salad and it comes out and you're like, huh, 
not what I was expecting, but okay. Like, so you just got to kind of take when you read things on the menu, I think sometimes just take, especially if it's a Western thing that, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, cause it might come out a little bit differently. So. Yeah. And there's a traditional green soup. And when I say green, it's electric, <laughs> but it's a chicken and um, cilantro soup, coriander soup. Um, and it's delicious, but it, it's shocking when it comes out it's so electric green but it is really delicious and it's it's a traditional one and I I recommend people go to the local markets and the food Mm. section Mm. Um, I remember having fresh I I love fresh pineapple I love pineapple Emma knows this but um, fresh freshly squeezed pineapple juice for Mm. like 50 cents and you sit there at the little bar there and and drink your pineapple juice and absolutely delicious like I think I could probably almost say one of the best pineapple juices I've had around the world because that's a big call yeah yeah it, it was delicious and um all the different things that were there you know all the different potatoes and all the different corns and you know they have the black corn and the white corn and the traditional yellow corn and all of that kind of thing and then um there was this incredible pressed sort of meat scenario which was pig's ears yeah it all just pressed together and then sliced up like a salami that you would put like in a sandwich I probably passed on that one but um the locals were buying it in slabs so it must taste good I do it's funny now that you said it like I do remember going to the market so we had our, like I think our first day in Cusco we actually went to a school and it's kind of part of our experience was go to a school and visit and as a tour group um interesting just to see how they run it and then after that we walked back to town and yeah I just remember yeah going past this to a market and yeah it just it's just kind of like that daily life thing getting to see you know you don't necessarily have to buy anything you can but just to walk around and see the different vegetables and how it operates and it's always that daily life stuff is sometimes some of my favorite mine too and I just I'm always I'm getting like a real flashback of like leather goods as well and and even yeah having a snack there and just even buying like the chip pack of chips or something it's just like it's a different brand and they have a slightly different flavor and you're just like oh this is yeah we had one packet actually they used to just those as snacks and it was just it's like a sort of tomatoey flavor like oh this is the best um <laughs> Yeah, again, we love our snacks. But, um, yeah, after Cusco, did you head off anywhere or that was the end of the trip? Uh, That was the end of the the trip and then we returned back to Lima and then flew flew down to Uruguay. So 12 days of amazingness in Peru and uh, I would have loved to do the extension, which is a common extension for that sort of trip, is to go to uh, Lake Titicaca and on to Puno which I know that you guys did in your Bolivia episode, you talked a little bit about that. We did, I know. We kept jumping back and forth a bit. So um, <laughs> if you haven't listened, do tune into Bolivia uh, to get a bit of that. But, yeah, we my friend had been travelling, so um, we had our, after everybody had left, we had one extra night in Cusco. Um, and it was Halloween, actually. It was amazing. And we went and bought I don't know, just like, we'll get involved. So we bought, like, pink wigs. <laughs> they were funny. And people did. They thought it was, like, amazing because we obviously we stand out with our white skin and we just had this pink hair and they were just like, it's so fun, or like, <laughs> rainbowy sort of pink, yellowy, green. I don't know. It just it was fun. And just everyone was out in the centro and kids, adults, everybody gets, like, they really get into Halloween in, in mm-hmm. like, in the Latin countries. Like, it's, I don't it's got, it's sort of, I don't know if it's just the Americanism, but it's also got some sort of um, connection there. And Yeah, the Day of the Dead. Yeah, it was just amazing. Everyone was down and, and just hanging out and then we went to a club after, as you do, and like some really good clubs in Cusco, some really good bars and clubs. Like you can party if you want to. Uh, but then uh, we went, we, yeah, we had a day where we went to, um, I want to say, I, mean, I was trying to look up before, it, was, um, I thought it, it makes me think like La Bamba, but um, there was a river, wasn't too far. Ah, uh, yes. It, uh, yes, we went to the same place. Yeah. yeah. We did it the does white sound like La Bamba, yeah. but it's not. <laughs> yeah, we did the whitewater rafting, which was really fun, and, and um, I got to show off just my, um, to just my, that I'm funny in Spanish as well as in English. So I was shouting out to the 
a very good looking uh, Peruvian guide on the bank and I shouted out qual is tu numero which is what's your number and he said back say say says which is the devil's number and I was like oh he's funny too <laughs> uh, but we were just being uh, very silly and yeah it's just super fun just it's really a, you know such a fun activity to do that you don't always do somewhere and again making the most of that Peru has this incredible natural landscape so to get to see it um have that river experience and then yeah we got the bus and I do believe now it was Puno I would I will have to check my journals um <laughs> so I think it remembered and I forgot to tell Jess on the other episode I lost my journal it's mm-hmm. one of my, my most heart, heartbreaking you know like as as a traveler how that is I'd had that journal from and it went through India for seven weeks with me earlier that year um, you know, I'd had a really big year. I was 25 that year, just lots of stuff going on. And, and then this massive epic trip through Peru, Bolivia, Mexico and the US and then flying back home, I left it on the plane when I had to get off in Buenos Aires and it just, in fact, it's so, yeah, top, my top tip that I've remembered now, top travel tip, do not put things in the back of the seat or do not put important things like your phone or your passport or your journal that you've been writing in for eight months of the year <laughs> you will not get it back and you will be devastated and so yeah in a way there's probably stuff in there that was good to go but like uh, you know maybe it's good like it was like purging but some of the stuff I would really like to have those facts now so that is why my um it is a little patchy in my memory but um I do believe it was Puno and then we did the floating islands the Euros islands which were you know, there's just so many um, Indigenous cultures in Peru. Mm. Well, fun fact for Darius, there's over 47 Indigenous languages spoken across the country. There you go. And, yeah, so see this completely different culture and these um, people, like, way of living and these floating islands are still there and they've got, like, grass huts that are on these Made from reeds, aren't they? Made from reeds, yeah. Marshy type area, and Mm -hmm. so, and like I said, I think the weather wasn't great. It was like rainy around that time, a bit um, foggy almost. And so, and I said, my memory is also a bit foggy around. (laughs) But um, yeah, it sort of added to that. It was like eerie almost. Mm. I believe it's quite a humid sort of climate, so there is a lot of a foggy, misty sort of moments. Yeah, sort of clear into the afternoons, into that really blue sky and sun, but lots of sort of morning and evening fog and mist. And I was really, I was reading a book, which was a bit. I didn't. I ended up stopping it, but it was. Um, it was set in Peru, and it's like that kind of got that magical feeling, and it brought back a lot of memories. I can't even remember that it has something to do with a clock and something. It was just. It was a very odd book, but it took back to. It was going trying to find um what's that stuff that you um quinine quinine ah, yes. and so it was all about valerian just I drink enjoyed, lots of gin and tonic yeah absolutely i enjoyed the, the being in peru element but the storyline was very hard to, and they, they, they had someone from the indigenous culture so i like liked that bit and it's why whoever bought the book for me gave it to me but it was just very hard to follow and but yeah, I think the uh, I think I definitely need to get back, and I'm, I'm glad that I did do um, get to see like Titicaca in both Peru and Bolivia. I would highly recommend that, and just having a bit more time. And from my um, the place that I really love to get back to, my friend whose husband is Peruvian, she went to the Rainbow Mountains. Yes, I've seen pictures of those. That would be certainly on my hit list to go back to. So they're like it's like stone, and it's just this gradient, and it's like proper bright colors and it's, it's just a natural occurrence yeah it's all the minerals that are in all the rock and when the, the rain comes it then runs all the minerals down the side of the rock which makes the rainbow pattern it's pretty amazing yeah it just looks you know and it just sort of in the in the clothing you know it sort of like mirrors that that bright vibrant um colorful clothing so um one of my best or best, that's terrible English. Oh, one of my favourite souvenirs of all time is from Peru. I got the that beautiful coloured um, print, and it's like a striped colours. I got shoes in that. Yeah. And then they they died because um, I wore them to death. And then my mother-in-law, they went to Peru a few years ago and she bought me a pair. Yeah. I was like, yay, you know me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's rainbow, I'll take it. 
Uh, <laughs> so any top tips or things people should know about Peru? Um, top tips, yeah. Look, eat, eat everything because the food is really good. I mean, especially the snack foods like the empanadas and the lotte and the enchiladas and, and all the good stuff. Like make sure you try try things. Be a little bit brave if you're not in that in that space. Um, be wary of the altitude sickness, definitely. And um, you know, talk to your GP or whatever beforehand and get get whatever you sort of can to be prepared. For that and also obviously your vaccinations as well be aware of what you you need to have um i would say pack pack light because you probably will shop a little bit you know the fabrics and and the things uh, the, the alpaca wool is really really uh, highly valued there there's lots of handicrafts scarves jumpers beanies all that type of thing and also um the ceramics, the pottery, there's a lot of that type of thing if you're into that that type of gear. So pack a little bit light, but also pack light because you will be doing a lot of sort of transitioning from, you know, train or bus or plane and you just don't want to be lugging a whole bunch of stuff and suitcases on cobbled streets. I think we maybe spoke a bit about that in our packing. Yeah. They really don't go well. So, you know, think about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Think about that when you're going, um, and it is a big trip. So do think about tacking on a little bit extra because it's a long way to go for you know a ten day trip through just to see Machu Picchu or whatever it might be. So have a little bit bit of a think about that. I would almost recommend adding in a stopover if you do go via Santiago. Maybe add in a couple of days there. Mm. and break the journey a little bit because it is a, a heck of a long way. Um, yeah, so, yeah, think think about that. Um, get to some, I, I really think that those restaurants that you were talking about that are becoming that sort of fusion, modern twist on traditional foods are, are quite incredible and they're, they're really, really worth a visit. Um, and some of them you do need to have a reservation for. So do a little bit of research um, before you go. Um, silver is a big thing. They have some of the largest world reserves of silver in, in Peru. So if you're into silver jewellery and things, think about that. I have some amazing pieces and that actually makes me think I need to get them out and wear them more often. But I have some beautiful pieces that I purchased. We went to a, a silver factory and the guys like adjusted things and made things for me on the spot. And it was, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of on the outskirts. It's a bit ruggedy around the area and it's really mm. a little, like in their workshop type thing. That's so right. Yeah. The handicrafts at, at like so if you get the opportunity definitely going and seeing them at work yep and and just find a space to just watch the local life go by whether it's in a plaza or a, or in front of a basilica or yeah a soccer match or anything where people are just doing what they do every day and watch the world go by because they're just such a beautiful people and it's such a beautiful place the architecture is stunning so it's just a nice place to just enjoy yeah and especially in Cusco it's just yeah, mm. I did I was just having flashbacks of sitting in one of those little plazas this little sort of park there's a couple of statues I think the chocolate museum was behind us there's yeah there's a fountain there in the main yeah, one yeah there's sort of stone and then they've got like little shutters on the windows sort of this like wooden shuttery type it's very um it's very charming quaint yes very quaint. If, you're a, if you're a photographer that enjoys doors and windows because a lot yeah. of the- suck it into that you will have no end of opportunities to take doors and windows photos because there's amazing options um it, it is a it's a beautiful country but it's also such historic and cultural country and I highly recommend anyone go and have a look yeah. even in the hotels that they have little courtyards that we had a gorgeous little courtyard and just having breakfast in this little table courtyard and the atrium sort of feeling with the sky open it, it's very open um really again making most of the nature and, and mm. um appreciating that so 
thank you so much for taking that walk down memory lane with us. And obviously, as always, you have such thorough and wonderful knowledge of and such good tips, I think, to um, to make the most of it and agreed. It just embrace the food, embrace the culture. And, yeah, I remember getting money out and just wishing that I'd sort of put a little bit more. And it was the first stop for me on a seven-week trip, so um, couldn't take a lot. Uh, but, yeah, definitely the shopping. And there's some really cute like, boutiques with those beautiful, um, you know, alpaca, the wool and the mm. silver. So some really like, yeah, there's, there's the touristy stuff and there's the fun souvenirs that you're like, yeah, of course I'm going to get a poncho and stuff like that. But there's also some really elegant um, and you know, kind of more authentic um, mementos of your time in Peru. So have a bit of cash, um, be willing to, to buy yourself something nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's an expensive country to visit at all, but I think, you know, if you are going to, buy something local invest in something that is you know a scarf or a jump like a hundred dollars or like you know so you know a nice piece of silver jewelry that here it's well it's going to be it's going to feel expensive relative to the fact that it is a reasonably cheap country but compared to what you pay for that at home and for like a handcrafted piece that's representative of the country like it's it's very reasonable it's just that it is more than your usual souvenir expenditure so put that in the budget uh yes dying to get back there now and uh to see more beautiful peru so muchas gracias and uh i hope for everyone listening this has uh, either inspired you or taken you back to your trip as well thank you danielle thank you have a great day Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, Already looking forward to the next one. Uh, We also have a rather extensive back catalogue for you to check out. Um, But in the meantime, you can uh, follow us on Instagram. That's at Lovely Travels on Instagram. Or you can come and check us out on Facebook, Lovely Travels, that's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y. Or we would love for you to join our Facebook community uh, with more than 500 members talking all things travel and adventure. That's the Lovely Travels community. You can also visit our website, which is lovelytravels.com. Or shoot us an email. We love hearing from our listeners. So please send us an email, feedback, comments, questions, whatever. Info at lovelytravels.com. And you can listen, review, subscribe, like, share, and promote our podcast in any shape, way, or form. Uh, We are on Spotify, iTunes, the internet, uh, Google Podcasts, everywhere where you get podcasts, you will find us. All good podcasting locations. So tune in next time, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.